One is for me, and the other one is for the air compressor that I'm going to be using to drop the more heat away. Thank you, Casey. Again, I'd like to welcome Pastor Larry to come up and give us his sermon for today. This is a continuation of the two he's already done and one more to follow. Welcome. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good to be back. Good to see everybody. And, um, you know, I want to give a special thank you to our praise team, Jody, Casey, Chuck. Don't they do a great job? <laughs> thank you guys thank you guys all right well you know we've been doing a series as chuck said on knowing god uh, really through knowing his son and so we began with looking at the good shepherd uh, who uh, calls his sheep by name and provides a way to be saved and then we looked at last week growing in christ uh, growing in his character growing in his oneness Growing in his knowledge, which is really growing in knowledge of God. And then today, we're going to look at the subject of knowing, you know, of God's will for you. And God's will, knowing God's will has everything to do with knowing God. Okay? So, as we begin, I want to talk about, Chuck, you've already mentioned about the pandemic. And the uh, last couple of years it's been now. And, you know, last year, the Harvard uh, School of Public Health wrote a paper about the, the, the cost of the pandemic on Americans' mental health. And they quoted a survey by the Kaiser Foundation that found that one in five Americans said that the, uh, you know, this pandemic had a, 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 a major impact on their mental health. I mean, it ignited fears of potential illness, death, uh, job loss, bankruptcy, uh, they were, you know, people were um, and are very disturbed. These are very, very difficult times. And now we have the variant we're, at, we're dealing with. These are difficult times. This is a time where it's more important than ever to have the right frame of mind. Right frame of mind for mental health and our spiritual health. You might ask me, Larry, what do you mean frame of mind? Well, I mean just that, the frame where your mind pictures uh, what you're thinking about. See, we all have the choice. You get to choose what's in that frame. You get to choose what's in the frame, your frame of mind. And we're going to talk, talk about that this morning. You know, 
that the scripture we're going to read in just a moment was uh, to a church that scholars tell us was probably the earliest, this was probably the earliest letter Paul wrote in the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians. Now, this was a church that was going through difficult times. When I say difficult times, they were being persecuted. And persecution in the early church had to do with torture, could have to do with torture, could have to do with beatings, could have to do with death, martyrdom. So it was more important for them to know God's will for them always in every circumstance. You know, as Christians, we're, we should always be seeking God's will. Now, there's an external will of God. That's where uh, God wants us to be, what he wants us to be doing. Those things could be changing. They could vary. But there's also an internal will of God. This has to do with our thought life. It's constant, it's unchanging, and it's immovable. This is where God wants us to be thinking. This is where God wants us to have, uh, this is what Paul's aiming at when he, when he gives us these commands. And I'm going to look at that scripture right now. And it's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. It's a, just a very brief scripture. But uh, if you're able and willing, if you could stand with me as I read this brief scripture and then we'll pray, okay? And this is out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And it says this. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Father, Lord, we thank you for the, your word that is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Lord, thank you that it directs us to our Savior, Jesus, who's the light of the world. God, as we look at your scripture this morning, help us to really uh, see deeper and deeper into what you want for us, Lord, and your will for us and your commands that we're going to, that we're going to examine. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul is telling us, and God is telling us through Paul, how to, these commands to give a, 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 a mental health and spiritual health to help us know where to place our minds so that we're healthy, mentally and spiritually. Uh, these, are, these three commands that we're going to be looking at have been called the triplet of personal development. It's a triplet. It's the, the framework where God wants our minds so that we can develop and grow. If you know Christ, to grow in Christ. So we're going to look at them one at a time. And the first is this. The command God gives us is to be joyful always. Verse 16. Another translation puts it this way. Be happy in your faith and rejoice. And be glad-hearted continually. Continually. You know, you receive joy. When you, when you know God's love, when you know his forgiveness, it puts joy in your heart, doesn't it? It puts joy in your heart. And this is, you know, it's not a joy based on outward circumstances like getting things or going places. It's a joy based on your relationship 
with an unchanging God. And so he gives us these unchanging commands to follow. It's God's, God, he says, in, in him is the fullness of joy. God's will for you is to be joyful always. Why? First of all, because it's your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy gives you strength. Do you remember Nehemiah in the Old Testament? Nehemiah, he, he was captured along with all the other people of Judah. They were captured 70 years in Babylon. And finally, finally, God released them. God worked it out where they could go back to Jerusalem. Nehemiah became the governor of, the, of Judah. And for the capital, in the, in the capital city, and it, 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 the, the temple that was built, he had a wall built around the city. And he gathered all the people, and he had Ezra read to them all morning from the book of the law. And they stood all morning long. They stood, and they listened. And they began, as they heard this word of God that they had neglected for so long, they started to weep. They started to cry. Nehemiah said, no, 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 no. You shouldn't be crying. You should be doing just the opposite. As you listen to God's word, and I'm going to read it to you now, this is Nehemiah exhorting and encouraging the, the people in Judah as they listen to his God's word. This is what their response should have been. He said, this day is sacred to our Lord. Don't do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your what? Amen. Amen. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy. That's what God wants us to have continually. Be joyful continually. For a healthy mind, for a healthy spirit. And as we uh, have a mind to obey his word, it, not only are we healthy in our mind and spirit, but we're healthy in our relationship with God. The right frame of mind. You know, Paul, when he wrote to the Philippians, his most joyful letter, written out of prison, by the way. Isn't that interesting? His most joyful letter he wrote out of prison. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And then to give it an extra emphasis, he says, I say it again. Rejoice. Why did he repeat it? That's how important it was and is for Christians to rejoice for your spiritual strength, for your mental strength, for the frame of mind God wants you to have. Rejoice. Rejoice. But how do you get this joy? You see, joy... Joy is an exercise of the soul. It's a spiritual exercise God wants you to practice for your soul's fitness. You know, joy is an exercise that God wants you to have. Be joyful in the Lord. But how do you get it? See, when you put your trust in the Lord and his word, he will lift you up and bring joy to your spirit. When you put your trust in the Lord and his word and you listen to his spirit speak to you, he'll bring rejoicing to your heart. When you put your trust in the Lord and his word, you, 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 he's going to delight your soul with the rightness of his word and the sweetness of his scripture. Listen to how David says it in Psalm 19. He says this. He says, Psalms 19, verse 8. The, the, 
the Lord's, he says it like this, he says it like this. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The, the word of the God is like honey. It's, it's sweeter than honey, honey, even honey dripping from the honeycomb. You see, God's word should bring joy to our heart. It should bring, uh, it should bring delight. We should delight in it. When we take it in, listening to his spirit, speak to us. You know, David, it should be, you know, and, and here's the thing. When people see the joy, they'll want to know what you got. Joy is your strength, but joy is also your witness. It's your witness. Christ's joy in you, it's a fruit of spirit. What's the fruit of the spirit of? You know what? It's a fruit of the spirit of love. Did you know that? Love, joy is a product of love. It's a product of Christ's love in you, his joy. And when you have his joy, see, Christians aren't supposed to leave the impression, as unfortunately sometimes we do, that we, are, uh, we have a chip on our shoulder or uh, we should not leave the impression that we're kind of a sourpuss, right? Christians shouldn't give the character, be known as the characteristics of a can cankerous or angry people always looking for a protest. No. Huh? Christians should reflect the love of the Lord and the joy of Jesus. How did Jesus say it? John 15. Remain in my love. These things have I said to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy might be full. He wants you to be full. God wants you to be filled with his love, filled with his life, filled with his joy. And when you have his love, his life, and his joy, others are going to see it. They're going to want to know what you got. You see, it's a witness. It's a witness. Like David. Like David in the Old Testament. You remember David and uh, his sin with Bathsheba. Terrible sin, grievous sin. You know, after he sinned you know, and repented, he wrote Psalm 51. Psalm 51 his, was his repentance on paper, or papyra as it was in David's day. And he asked God to have mercy on him, to not to take his Holy Spirit from him. And then he gave him another special request Right after that, and he asked God to do what? To restore unto him the joy of his salvation. Listen to these familiar words. Psalm chapter 51. David says, cast me not away from your presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I'm looking at verse 11 and 12 and 13. Restore, and then he says it, restore unto me the joy the joy of your salvation, then, he says, once you do that, once that happens, here's what's going to happen. David says it like this. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. It's going to be a witness. People are going to, people are going to see the joy and they're going to they're want to know what you got. See, when you have the joy of the Lord sustained by the Spirit and His Word rooted in the soil of your heart, you're going to be like a tree that blooms every season. People are going to see it. They're going to want to know what you got. You got a joy that's supernatural. Supernatural? Listen to this. 
all wrote to the Thessalonians. He was so thrilled when he wrote them this letter. You, it's in 1 Thessalonians 1.6. He talks about how they received it, how they received the message with joy, even in the midst of suffering. He says this, in spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. Who gave the joy? The Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural joy. It's a joy that you can have in the midst of suffering. And they were in the midst of it. And they were rejoicing, and Paul was rejoicing in them. The triplet. So the first triplet, the first of the triplets, the commands of God's will for you is this. Be joyful always. Be joyful always. Secondly, verse 17. In God's will for you, for a healthy mind, a healthy spirit, a healthy relationship with God is pray continually. Pray continually. What does that mean? To pray continually. I mean, how can you pray continually? I mean, you got things to do. You got to go to work. You got other responsibilities, maybe school. How can you be praying? How can you be talking to God continually? Well, this is really talking about the attitude of your heart. What's in the thread, the picture frame of your mind? Is God in that frame? Knowing that God is in the picture, knowing that He's He's right there. He's not far, as Acts 17 says, he's not far from each one of us. To reach out to through Christ, to commune with, to God is there to commune with, to communicate with, to have fellowship with. And he wants us to have fellowship with him. Continually. What is fellowship? 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 says, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. What is fellowship? Fellowship with God. Fellowship with God is sharing with God. It's talking to God. It's spending time with God. Now, we should all have a time in our life where we, uh, daily, daily, where we spend time with God. Preferably same time, same place, every day. However, God is there 24-7, amen? He's there 24-7. He wants us to go to him. Frequently, just like you would like a, a spouse, a friend, a family member who's with you all the time, to spontaneously, frequently talk to God. That's all prayer is, just talking to God. Pray to him. Go to him. Continually. That's what God wants. That's what he wants. You, the framework of mind he wants you to have. Pray for, his, pray for his help. Pray for his strength. Pray for his guidance. I want to share with you a quote from a, a late great evangelist John R. W. Stott. John R. W. Stott talked about praying to God and submitting to his will uh, as opposed to just trying to bend his will to ours, okay? He says it this way. Prayer is not a convenient device for imposing our will upon God or bending his will to ours, but the prescribed way of subordinating our will to his. It's by prayer that we seek God's will, embrace it, and align ourselves with it. Every true prayer is a variation on the theme, your will be done. That our master taught us this in the pattern prayer that he gave us and added the supreme example in the Garden of Gethsemane. What's he saying? 
Not my will. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. You know, every true prayer is, 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 should be based on the theme of that. Those few words, thy will be done. And Jesus, when he, when he agonized in prayer in the garden, he agonized, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Submitting. Submitting to God, to his will. Prayer keeps your heart in line with God. Prayer, praying for guidance, praying for direction. You know, during the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln, who led the Union over victory over the Confederates, was a man of prayer. A lot of people don't know that. A man by the name of Shula Koufax, who eventually became vice president, tells about how Lincoln would often get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to take the time to read his Bible and to pray before visitors came to the White House. Things are a little bit different nowadays, aren't they? But they would they just come walking in. I mean, people come walking, visitors. And he agonized over what was happening to his soldiers in the Civil War. And he came up with an idea called the Sanitary Commission. You know, one of, the, one of, one of uh, Lincoln's closest friends, who was a newspaper reporter, said, said this. He says, uh, Lincoln once told him, I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction I had nowhere else to go. And so he prayed for his soldiers. He prayed for his, uh, those who were sick and dying and wounded. And he, and he prayed and he says this. One of the, one of the uh, doctors on this uh, sanitary commission complimented him on how well this was working uh, for his soldiers. And he says, you must carry your thanks to a higher being, Lincoln talking about God. Then he told him how it happened. He said, one stormy night, I tossed on my bed, unable to sleep, and I thought of the terrible suffering of our soldiers and our sailors. I spent an hour in agonizing prayer to God for some method of relief. And he put the sanitary commission in my mind with all its details and as distinctly as though the instructions had been written out in pen and pen and handed to me. Hereafter, Lincoln says, always thank your heavenly father, not me, for this organization which he has, that has saved so many and eased so much pain. See, God gave the answer to Lincoln through what? Through prayer. Through prayer. He prayed for this, for direction. He prayed for God's will. And God gave it to him. I mean, God gave it to him. Prayer keeps your heart in line with God. You remember the Apostle Paul when he gave in Ephesians 6 the, uh, the armor of God? Uh, uh, Pastor David preached about that not too long ago. Putting on the armor of God. Ephesians 6, right after that, Right after he gives the instructions on putting on the armor, he talks about prayer. And he said, pray at all times in the spirit. In other words, pray as the spirit leads. You want to know how to have a successful prayer life? Seek to pray as the spirit is leading you. Amen? Speak, seek to pray as the spirit of God leads you. 
pray for his direction. Pray for his guidance. Pray continually. Pray for God's will. And so the second, the second triplet in these commands of God is to pray continually. And then third and finally, uh, not only are we to uh, be joyful always for our healthy mind and soul, not only are we to pray continually, but we are to what? Give thanks in all circumstances. No matter what, give thanks to keep the right frame of mind, to keep the right frame of where God wants you to place your mind. Whatever the circumstance, it doesn't matter, even in the middle of a pandemic. You see, because every cloud does have a silver lining. And so we are to free our mind, listen now, free your mind to praise him. You see, when you lift up your heart to God to, to thank him, you're, you're, you're rising above your current circumstances. You're putting your, thing, your heart and mind on things above. You're freeing your mind. When you look up, look into the Lord, it's like you're looking to the light. And Helen Keller once said it this way, when you look to the sunshine, you cannot see the shadow. Get, get lost in the Lord. Lift your heart to the Lord. Praise, give praise to the Lord. You know, there's two things the Bible tells us an atheist will not do. Romans 1, chapter 21 tells us two specific things. It talks about those who will not believe in God. It says they will not, first of all, honor God. And second of all, they will not give him thanks. You know, an interesting thing is, Psalm 50, verse 23 says, He who brings thanksgiving as his sacrifice honors me. So we honor God by giving him thanks. That's why we're to thank him always, because we're to honor him always. Give him thanks continually in every, every circumstance. But you say, how can you give thanks in time of tragedy? How can you give thanks in time of heartache? Rick Warren, many of you know that name. He's a pastor of Saddleback Community Church, fastest growing Southern Baptist church in history one of the biggest churches in our country. He had a tragic experience not too long ago where his, er, his, his, his youngest son, who had mental illness, took his life. And, and Rick Warren wrote about this. He wrote about this when it happened, the time that it happened. He says this. He says, this year became the worst, worst year of my life when my youngest son, who struggled with since childhood with mental illness, took his own life. How am I supposed to be thankful? God doesn't expect me to be thankful for all circumstances. He expects me to thank, be thankful in all circumstances. This is what Warren writes. There's a difference, he says, a huge difference. The first is an attitude of masochism. The second, into, the second is an attitude of maturity. We're not supposed to be thankful for evil or sin or the innocent suffering caused by these things, he says. But even in heartache and grief, there are still good things I can be thankful for. Listen to some of the things that he lists. I'm thankful to God that he sees all that I go through. I'm thankful he cares, he grieves with me. 
I'm thankful that even though I don't have all the answers, God does. I'm thankful that God can bring good even out of the bad in my life when I give him the pieces. It's his specialty. God loves to turn crucifixions into resurrections and benefit the whole world. God never wastes, wastes a hurt if we give it to him. See, Warren was writing these things in the midst of his grief. He, he reminds us there's always something you can give thanks to God for, even in the midst of his, his darkest hour. He, he, he found things he could give thanks to God for, and that's what we're to do. We're to free our minds to praise him and find the things that are worthy of praise. That's God's will. That you thank him in all circumstances. That's God's will. You, you, you might say, well, you might not understand why things happen. Like, but, but like Warren reminds us, I don't have all the answers. But God does. God does. He knows the answers. So look to the things that you can praise him for, even in the midst of tragedy. That's where God wants you to place your mind. You know, there's a very specific verse in the Bible, and it's in the book of Philippians. Many of you know it. Chapter 4, verse 8. This is a verse where God specifically tells us where he wants us to place our minds, to frame where he wants our minds to be. And he says it this way. I want you to set your mind. Literally, he says, this is what I want you to set your mind on, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, whatever is pure, if there's anything excellent and worthy of praise, anything honorable, think on these things. In other words, let your mind dwell on these things. This is where I want your mind to be. Thanking him, looking for things you can thank him for, looking for things you can praise him for. You know, the word thanksgiving in this verse right here, it comes from the Greek word eucharisteo. Eucharisteo, there you go. You got it, Casey. That's the, that's the word from which we get our word, Eucharist. It means to praise or to give thanks. Eucharist is the, the Lord's Supper, by the way. It's the, it, it, Holy Communion, where we serve the, the Lord's Supper and we take part with thanksgiving. We give thanks because God has given us the greatest gift he could ever give us. In, in, in his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could have peace with God. He gave us the greatest gift that deserves the greatest thanks. Amen? The greatest thanks that his son came and died for us. Eucharisteo. Giving thanks. Give God your Eucharisteo. Thank him. Look for the things that you can praise him for. So in conclusion, a healthy mind, a healthy spirit, God requires for us, to, for a healthy mind and a healthy spirit to have a right outlook on life, to have a right frame of mind. And in this triplet that God gives us, he shows us his will for us. His desire is to keep you in his joy. Bearing the fruit of his spirit with his word rooted in the soil of your heart. It's his desire to keep you 
in prayer and fellowship with him, knowing that he's there always in good times and in bad, and he will reveal things to you like he did to President Lincoln. When you come before him in submission, willing to follow his will. God's desire is, to, is for you to pray, uh, to give thanks in every circumstance. For the health of your mind, for the health of your spirit, to give thanks. To give thanks. Like, and to give thanks, like Warren said, even in the times of uh, good times and bad, when you don't understand what's happening, but you know somebody that does, you can give thanks to God. Just look for the things you can praise Him for. Look, even in hard times, look for them. And most importantly, give thanks for the greatest gift that He's given us, His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, every one of these commands we've been talking about, each one of them, it requires a conscious choice. And each one of these commands, these triplets of personal development, requires a habit. It, it requires something God wants you to practice continually. Think about it. Re be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in every circumstance. It, it's ongoing. It's a spiritual practice for the fitness of your soul. This is planet fitness for the soul. <laughs> Amen. This is what God wants for us. The question is this, will you do it? Will you do it? Will you show him your Eucharistio, your thankfulness, by following his will for you? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the instructions you give us. Where you, you specifically where you want our minds to be, Lord. And help us all to remember these words, these simple commands, but it's also powerful. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that has not yet found that peace with you, may they, Lord, just open up their heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I, I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. I want to submit my life to you. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. And I commit now this day to follow you forever. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, this morning, do you know the peace we've been talking about. Do you know that joy? If you don't, you know, it's waiting for you. God wants to provide that for you. The Bible says, happy is a man whose sin has been forgiven. It just 